0: Hi everyone. So, the, uh, not last week, but the last few weeks, we've been um, looking at the um, some of the reasons why God chose Hebrew to reveal Himself as a language in which He revealed Himself, and we've been discovering that there's a lot more to it than meets the eye, um, and there are depths to. Um, to this amazing language and the way it's constructed. And I apologise to the youth if you've not heard any of this before, but I hope you can sort of pick it up. Um, Last time we looked at the word of God. Anybody remember the word for God, the short word for God from last time? L, thank you. (laughs) L, okay, so the word L, which appears in the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. Sort of kind of in, in reverse, but Emmanuel Im with Manu, us, Immanuel, El, God. And the word for El was created from those little pictures. Okay, so you had a picture version, which is what Hebrew is based on little pictures that became then concepts and ideas. And El was constructed of the, um, the, the two letters, Alice which is like the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And Lamed, which is uh, the kind of derivation was of a shepherd's crook. Do you remember? Is this coming back to you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and the Aleph is the, um, is, means uh, sort of strength, strong leader. So you have your strong leader um, and your guide, your shepherd, in the word El. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah? Um, so this is why I get excited about Hebrew. It's just so amazing. Um, and, um, and we learned that it was kind of appeared in lots of names in the Bible, like Daniel and um, you know other ones that we looked at. Um, so today, um, it's, we're going to look at the best name. The best name. The name we've been singing about all morning. We've had... We've had the, um, we've had scriptures, we've had words, we've had songs, and it's all about Emmanuel, the one who came, the one who saves, about Jesus. Okay, but Jesus, the name Jesus, the name Jesus wasn't actually really formalized until about the fourth century, the Council of Nicaea, when they kind of, yeah, third, yeah, four they got together and decided what the canon of scripture would be. And that's when they kind of confirmed that they were going to put the name Jesus. And it's a derivation from the Greek, which is Esos, and the Latin isus or however you pronounce it, because I never did Latin, so <laughs> I don't know. And, co- and we get Jesus from that, so our English word. But that English word was not the original word. Does anybody know the original word for Jesus? Yeah, wonderful. Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeah. And Yeshua, if we go on to the next slide. Oh, good, let's so go back again. Um, so the the essence of the word Jesus is a derivation of the verb to save, to deliver. And that's why in that lovely little passage at the beginning of Matthew when the angel announces to um, to Mary that she will give birth to a son, Um she, uh, that she, then we, it refers back to, to this. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him... That's a, this is about Mary. So this is Joseph, isn't it? This was the, the dream that Joseph got. Um, she will be, give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And if you don't know that Jesus is derived from save, that doesn't make sense, does it? But as soon as you know that Jesus means save... God saves, then it makes sense. So go to the next slide. And here we have the Hebrew letters. (laughs) So don't worry if you don't understand them. Remember that they move from right to left. Yeah, they go the other way around, so the way we read. And you may have noticed, I've not shown you these before. Can you see the little dots? Okay. So Hebrew is a language of consonants. And you might say, hang on a minute. Didn't we look at Aleph, first lesson of the Ilphaba? Isn't that an A? Actually, no. It's a consonant. <laughs> weirdly, weirdly. Um, and it can be changed according to the dots that you put underneath it. So Hebrew is constructed of these consonants and dots. And the dots are arranged in different kind of ways, in the little lines as well. Um, and they tell you how to pronounce the vowels. And the words are constructed around... You Remember we talked about roots? Every Hebrew word has a root. And it's the roots of letters. Those letters are consonants. So every Hebrew word is arranged around these, uh, th- usually three letters, which are the roots. Okay? And that's why you can kind of play around with them. And this is what happens in Hebrew. You kind of play around with these consonants. And you put the dots here and you change them there. And you change the vowels and you change an A to an A to an A. And you can create different words. But they all have the same root. So here we have Yeshua, Yeshua with the dots, and this word at the bottom, which actually it's got, an, do you see, it's got an extra little sort of thing that we looked at the other day, the other week, which is hey, and it's got the line thing in a different place, okay? Don't be confused about it, it's fine. It, it, this is the word Yehoshua, anybody recognize that? familiar to anyone joshua yeah Yehoshua, joshua and that was the, the the yeshua was kind of like the familiar name if you like it was an alternative to Yehoshua. so if we go on to the next slide joshua was formed of two separate bits yeho and shua okay got that and um the amazing thing is that do you know do you know this word tetragamaton anybody heard of that Okay, you're getting your lessons now, aren't you? So, Tetragrammaton was <laughs> the four letters of the name of God. Now, we call, we, we've we put them together, and the Hebrew scholars have put them together and think it's Yahweh. We don't actually know. Nobody knows what the pronunciation was. And actually, the real Hebrew scholars aren't even sure that that's really terribly helpful because they didn't usually pronounce things like that. But anyway, Yahweh. Um, what we call a Y, which is a, a, a Yud, that little Little sign, then the hay, which is the h, huh. and then the, the well. It, it's called a wuh there, but it's it's called a vav. So sometimes it's a verse, sometimes it's a wu, and then a hay at the end. So yhwh is the tetragrammaton of the name of God. It's the name that he, that the Jews never use. They never use that. If you see that written in the scriptures, and the Jews are reading the scriptures, they won't say Yahweh. They will say Adonai which means the Lord. Have you heard of that one? Adonai? Yeah. So Adonai will always use that. they will never use Yahweh. Okay. Um, but the first bit is Yehu. Okay. Um, and that's a word for God. And the second bit is Shua, which means a cry for help, a saving cry. So, so the two together, Yehu, Shua, is God saving his people. If you are stuck and you need saving, you cry to God. And he saves you. Is that fantastic? And there is no other name given under heaven by which men may be saved. And the interesting little thing I mean, this is not quite so set in stone, but it's just a little bit interesting, and I thought it was great. But if you put Yeshua HaNazarei, which is Jesus of Nazareth, the Melech, Melech means king, the Melech HaYehudim, what's Yehudim? Yehuda? Yud? Jew, thank you, yes. So, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. If you put those together, you get the Tetragrammaton. Now, you know, there's a little bit of playing around. So, because ha just means the, so you could say, it's not very, you know, it's not very kind of really rooted in biblical academic scholarship, but it's quite fun, isn't it? It's quite interesting. But, yeah, I think God does play around sometimes with these things, so next slide we're nearly there okay so we have these you remember i told you there are these little dots that you could play around with and make different words so you have yasha same root to save yesha salvation and those words are used in isaiah 61 he has clothed me with garments of salvation who remembers who used those scriptures for, yeah thank you fiona jesus yeah when he first sat down to announce his ministry in that synagogue in nazareth that is the scripture he opened it at. Isaiah 61. He has clothed me with garments of salvation. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That was Jesus' announcement of his coming. And right wrapped in those words was his very name. His very name. Deliverance. And there's another little reference to Exodus. was that the last one or is there one more? Okay, so messiah now that's a bit closer jesus is called yeshua Hamashiach. mashiach is messiah okay so we have jesus Hamashiach, and that's the hebrew word for mashiach and again you can do all those funny little things you switch around the vowels and you use the same roots but you switch around the vowels and those are the kind of things that it means okay last slide And here we go, the spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And Mashiach means anointed, consecrated, set aside to do this job. So in that lovely scripture that Jesus told is both his name and his purpose. He's come to save, he's the anointed one, come to save, and he is amongst us. And the Jews refer to the Messiah sometimes as Melech HaMashiach, so that little word Melech, king. They were expecting the Messiah to be of the line of David. We just sang about that, didn't we, in the, in the song? They were expecting, come Emmanuel, you know, come o key of David. They were expecting a king in David's line. And who did we get? And why do we have all those genealogies in the Bible? Because God is a God of history, and a God of family, and a God of continuation. And he loves to see his purposes root through families and through generations, and that's why we have those things. So we have Yeshua HaMashiach of the line of David, fulfilling all those promises that God gave all that time ago for you here today. Amen.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. It's really good to be here, and it's good to have fellowship and to see friendly faces. Is that okay? <laughs> and um, really good. Thanks, sis. Where's, where's she gone? Where's the lady just stood up? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. That's so good. It's so good to affirm what we believe and why we believe what we believe. And as we was speaking, the scripture is going through my mind is, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. Truth is powerful. It's powerful. It enlightens us, but it liberates us. It sets us free. I want to speak for a moment this morning on what it means to be an authentic Christian. We are living in a world where, as I have conversations with many Christians, it's as if we're doubting what we believe. As if we are having second thoughts. For some, Sunday morning they're Christians. By Sunday evening, they're what I call 007, licensed to do nothing. Nobody knows who they are. They're a bit timid, they've been intimidated, they feel insecure. And it's as if their faith becomes something that is private. For them, Sunday morning and Jesus. But I want to encourage us today, the need for us to recognize, value, appreciate, and get excited about who we are in Jesus. We are his church. We are the body of Christ. We're also known as the bride of Christ. And we need to be excited about that. A couple of months ago, I went to Wembley, met up with a young guy and... um, he I was supposed to hang out with him for the evening, and he said, "Look, just let's hang out in Wembley Stadium, and there's a big match on." And we went for a meal, and then we went to Wembley, and we sat in the corporate boxes. Box, and we, and I just spent time. I was observing the fans more than the match. I was looking at those people, hundreds, in the corporate area, and l- watching their response. So these men kick in this ball. The passion, the energy, the enthusiasm, the sense of commitment to a team. I watched it with fascination. And all the time I was there, I was saying, Lord, wouldn't it be lovely if an opportunity was created that I could say something? Do you know that? I don't know if you ever feel like that, where you're in a situation. Now, I haven't been to Wembley for years, but... I've never seen so many men together in one place. And I was saying, Lord, wouldn't it be lovely for an opportunity, just five minutes, to be able to say something in this context. But I was also challenged about my enthusiasm for Jesus, my passion for Jesus. Because when I saw those guys, they didn't care who was there in the corporate box. They didn't care that there were 69,000 people there. They were making gestures. They got up and they shouted. You know, they were passionate about their team. And I thought, Lord, help us. I said, listen, no longer would people tell me to shut up in church. I don't care what people think about me when I say praise the Lord. I don't care. Because I'm passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate about what He has done in my life. I'm passionate that it's Jesus, our Saviour, who has redeemed my life from destruction, who has crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies, who has written my name. His blood is guaranteed that my name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's with anticipation I look forward for his return and to meet him. And so that day, that night in that match did something, it helped me to think, affirmed me, just being among 69,000 people. It was incredible. Let me just read something from Ephesians chapter 2. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even of others. But God who is rich in his mercy for his great love wherewith he had loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the age to come, he may show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Christ jesus for by grace have you been saved through faith and not of yourself it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus unto good works with god which god has before ordained that we should walk in them an authentic an authentic christian Is someone who's genuine, the real thing, the real article. Listen, people don't know we're Christians because we wear a badge saying Jesus loves you. People don't know that we're Christian because even that we just chat and do all kind of wonderful things. People know that we're Christians by our lifestyle, by our lifestyle. People recognize Jesus when... They recognize that our character and our personality, our attitude is completely different from that of the world. Come on. An authentic Christian is the real thing. People today, one of the things that people constantly say to me as I walk the streets at night, as I meet people, there's a lot of hypocrites in church. And there are. There are. There's a lot of hypocrites in church. And you know something? It's biblical. Here the Bible says, let the wheat and the tares grow together until the day of harvest. So there are people who are parading themselves as the genuine article, the genuine article, but they're not. They know all the cliches. They know when to stand up, when to sit down, but they're not Christians. And that's not for you and I to judge. Jesus says, my sheep hears my voice. Come on. When we come to church on a Sunday morning to worship It is not about exhibition. It's about a clean hand. It's about a pure heart. It's about a right spirit. It's about us coming before God, knowing that God looks at the heart. God sees the heart. The Bible says that God does not look on the outward appearance, He's not full with facade. He looks deep on the heart. And He sees us as we come to worship. The authentic Christian comes with a pure heart. And worship God. And you as he quickened. God has quickened us. God has changed and transformed our lives. So we become the genuine article. And we need to see that till in the 21st century. We need to let people know that. Listen. I'm not just a Christian. I'm a child of God. The authentic Christian. Is someone who's real. Now. Let me just tell you this: We're living in a real world with real people with real pain. And I, one of the things I've sorted over the years is to be real with people. That's why I go to places and I meet people in places. That's why I hang out on the streets at one, two in the morning. I meet people. That's why I go and sometimes to gay bars and talk to people and we have relationship. I don't go and beat them over the head with a, a, a four by four Bible. We're living in a world where people are saying, "Hey, listen, I'm proud to be gay." That's they're proud. That's the world we're living in today. We should live in a church and be a church that says, I'm proud to be a Christian. And it's not a wacky Christian that's always beating people up. It's a Christian that's going to say, listen, watch my life. Watch it. And you see Jesus in me. The way my attitude, the way I respond to you, my behavior, my personality, my character. Look at it. And you'll see Jesus. I was working with some guys in Lambeth. And one of these guys was a senior guy in, in, the, in the, one of the departments. And I walked in one day and um, he said, Les, he said, I'm stressed out. Now I know he's gay and know he's living with a partner. So what am I going to do? Tell him I'm not going to pray for him? Come on. I was a sinner. My life was broken. My life was messed up. It was screwed up. One of the problems we have in the church today, the moment we become Christian, give us five years and we're nice, decent, respectable people. Come on. God has done something powerful in our lives. So I said, hey, come here. I laid hands on him in an open plan office. Lay hands on him and ask Jesus to touch him, to enable him to do his work. Come on. That's the gospel. That's what our Jesus did. And a real Christian, understand the reality of the society in which he or she is living in and say god help me to be real and help me to be like you jesus but an authentic christians also display evidence of their faith we recognize what god has done in our lives but we also recognize that god has called us to do something we cannot be an authentic christian if we're not producing evidence of our faith in jesus we cannot. That's why there's a challenge in the scripture. You are the salt of the earth. An authentic Christian is constantly reminded himself or herself I am salt. I've got to be relevant in the context that I'm in. At university, in college, in school, wherever I am, I've got to salt it. I was in a meeting in Scotland Yard with some senior officers, they had more brass than allergy. And we were just there discussing policing for London. And as we were there discussing, one of the things that was going through my mind, these officers have a tough life. You know, police officers have a, there's a high divorce rate amongst police officers. These are men and women who put their lives in harm's way every day, more or less. Particularly policing in this complex, challenging a time city. And after our meeting, being a Christian, I said, there was a, a, a real desire and a compassion to pray for these men and women. Now, how do we do that? How do we pray for people in a society that's against Christianity? Voices that are saying we don't want it, Christianity in this space. You see, for an authentic Christian, the moment you're where you are, you're in the space. You're in that space, and you're saying, God. Do something in me and through me. God, I'm allowing you to work in my life. There's no intimidation. There's boldness. There's courage. There's wisdom. And as we were in that meeting, I was sensing that I need to pray for these guys. So I'm looking for the opportunity. How am I going to do that? How am I going to pray for these guys? There's about 24 of us in a meeting. We're discussing policing. And the chair said something. And I said, chair, before you conclude, I just want to say this. I'm a Christian here. I'm actually a minister as well. I want to say two things to all of you in this room. Two things. One, thank you for policing this very complex city. Thank you very much. Secondly, I'm aware of the pressure and the stress on your families. I would like to pray for you all. I'm aware that some of you are not Christians. I'm aware that some of you are other faith. I'm aware that some of you don't have any faith whatsoever. But I want to pray for you guys. Every head bow. Now, come on. Every head bow. Incredible. And I prayed. It was interesting. One officer said to me afterwards, hear what he says. It's evidence that you believe in what you preach. I thought that was very interesting. Because for many Christians today, it's as if they don't believe what they preach. They don't believe what they sing about. An authentic Christian is called by God. You and I are called by the Lord. The church, the ecclesia. We've been called out from unrighteousness. We've been called out from darkness. We've been called out from sin. And we've been called in to righteousness. We've been called in to hope. We've been called in to the family of God. God's called you. You and I are not here because we deliberately, intentionally wanted to be here. Something happened in our lives. Something happened. God has no grandchildren. Our young people, you are not here because mom and dad. You are here because of a conviction that God has placed in your heart, in your mind, that says, I want to serve Jesus. Every believer, every authentic Christian came to a place of recognizing God's calling upon their lives. I was telling some folks the other day that I was in a nightclub in Wardour Street, a nightclub, 3.30 in the morning, smoking a spliff, and I heard a voice, you don't belong here. You know what, in my reflection, you know I say to myself, what was God doing in a nightclub 3.30 in the morning? <laughs> he was there. God is calling men and women He's calling people. Incredible. He's calling people to serve him. He's calling people into his kingdom. Because the God that we serve, the God that we are singing about, the Savior, has come to save us from our sins, to deliver us from unrighteousness, and to bring us into his kingdom. I was speaking to a guy from Goldman Sachs Bank. He said, man, I was making money. He said, my wife was a Christian. I was just busy about making money. But one day, something happened. Something happened to me. Money became insignificant. And I cried out to Jesus. Now it's not just his wife is a Christian. He is a Christian because God called him. All of us. We've been called. And so we're here this morning because we have been called by God. An authentic Christian is, has not only been called, but has been chosen. I don't know about you, but you know, when I think of even my family, my extended family, and when I think of the, my friends, I say, God, why me? Why have you opened my eyes? Why have you touched my heart? Why have you forgiven me from sin? Why is it that I have such confidence in your gospel? Why me? I'm always taken back by that. Why has God called me? why is it that i could worship jesus why is it that i don't fear death why is it that i have confidence that it's going to be well why is it in spite of brexit that it's going to be well with me why why is it that i pray thine is the kingdom the power and the glory because he's chosen me because he's chosen us the apostle said it's christ in me the hope of glory i don't know about you I'm excited. And I'm not excited because I'm black, okay? I'm excited because God has chosen me. And you, whom he has quickened, those who have walked in our sinful flesh and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. And the apostle used that wonderful word, grace, unmerited favor. Isn't that beautiful? We're here. you know, I've met so many people who said, Les, I wish I could have faith like you. I wish I could believe. I wish I could believe. You know, there are people struggling to, you know, get a grip, come, come to Jesus. They're people. And yet there are people today in our prisons. There are people all over this country for the first time. They're lifting up hands and they're worshiping Jesus. And not only are they called or they're chosen, but they're faithful. We're called to do something in the kingdom. There's no spectators in the kingdom. Each and every one of us are called to do something. Come on, all of us. Every person that Jesus calls, he said, I've got something for you to do. All of us. You know, there are some people who just come to church and the only thing they do is gather woodworm in their posterior, (laughs) they're spectators. Listen, the kingdom is beautiful. The kingdom has so much going on. The kingdom has something for you. Jesus has not called you and I to be spectators. He has called us to be engaged and involved in what he is doing. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come. And what we are doing is hushering this kingdom. He wants us to be involved in the things of the kingdom. So he says, I've called you for something. Only you can do it. And you will not do it just spectating, just sitting there, receiving. You've got to put your hands to the plow. You've got to say, God, I want to do something. God, I want to do something. God, I want to make history. God, I want to know purpose and I want to know destiny in you. I want to know it, God. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to really get hold of God's call on our lives, then we've got to get hold of prayer the least meeting that's being attended in any church calendar is prayer meeting i'm amazed at the amount of christians that don't pray struggle to pray i'm amazed at the amount of christians who are struggling just to spend 1 hour before god and that's why so many christians really feel at times that what is it can I do? I don't know what I could do. And it's all about how they feel and they think. But let me tell you something. When you recognize your calling, when you engage with God, God anoints you. God gives your sense of purpose. God brings out your skills, your gifts, and your talents. Come on. Are you guys black over there? No, you're not. I okay, yeah. <laughs> But you know, it is important. It is important. Let me tell you something. One of the most important things for me as a Christian today to be authentic is this. is to be connected to God. Those of us who remembered Ken McGreevy, he used to have a phrase that says this. God is not looking for activities. He's looking for receptivity. It's not doing and doing and doing. God is looking at. But God is looking at how receptive you and I are to him. My sheep hears my voice. Come on. God is looking for that. And if we are not praying, if we're not waiting upon the Lord, if we're not allowing and creating that space for God to speak to us, we're going to miss it. We're going to feel intimidated. We're going to feel weak. We're going to feel that it's not me that God could use. We're going to feel and and think and believe God is doing something but not with me. God is doing something but not with me. When I was 19 years of age and 20, some important things happened in my life in terms of solidifying my call. One, I met a group of people, a group of Christians, who said to me, Les, we need to pray and fast. Now, I thought once a month. They said, well, we're going to do it. I'm going to keep doing it. And they had me every weekend from Thursday night to Sunday afternoon praying and fasting. I could have been out with the guys doing all kinds of things, but we decided to spend all night praying, Saturday night. We decided, I decided not to eat any food from Thursday night until Sunday, drink water. I decided that. You may think, man, that's a bit weird, man. It's not. Let me tell you something. When men and women are desperate for God, they will seek God. We've got to create the space in our hearts, in our minds, in our environment that God can speak to us. We've got to put aside all the things, the iPhone and all all these other things that distract us from God. And say, God, look, speak to me. Speak to me, God. I want to fulfill your purpose. I recognize you've called me, but equally I recognize you've called me for something. Fast forward 40 years on. I'm still praying. I'm still praying. And the reason why I pray is because it's not just activities. And listen, I'm a busy guy. I've got things in my diary for 2019 already but the reason why I pray is this I could easily miss what God is saying to me because I'm too busy doing so every Tuesday there's a guy called Neil McKinnon some of you know him for the last 25 years every Tuesday morning Neil and I 6 30 we've been meeting for prayer over the last year or so I've been meeting with this bishop from 5 till 6 in the morning, Tuesday morning, and I'm praying. I'm praying. So I'm up before 5. I'm sharing this with you because I want you to understand that, let me tell you something. If we want to connect to God, we've got to learn to come aside. And we've got to learn that God is found in the place where we're quiet and we're reflective. God is found in that place. And God is not really found so much with the big audience. God is found. You and I have got to go to that, find that closet and see God there. You and I have got to look for God ourselves. Every Wednesday morning for the last four years, I meet in Brixton with a group of leaders, 6.30 to 7.30 to pray. Every Thursday morning for the last year or so, I've been meeting with some Anglican guys to pray every Thursday morning. So from Tuesday to Thursday, Now, don't think I don't pray outside of that. I do. Because when I finish my second prayer meeting on Tuesday morning, I have another one at 12 to 1 in my office. And twice a month, I go to my local church, and we meet for prayer in the evening on a Tuesday, from quarter past 7 till nearly 9. And you know what that's doing to me? It's helping me to connect to my God. That gives me boldness and strength and courage to recognize my calling. To recognize that He called me from sin into righteousness, but He's called me into His kingdom to fulfill something that only I could fulfill, according to His will and His purpose for my life. Zena, a 90-year-old street pastor from Cornwall, 90. That's what I said. 90, one nine. Shh, shh. Did you hear me? Did I say one nine or ninety? Nine o. Oh. oh, you're listening. I know my wife is. <laughs> but Zena's 90. And I saw her in this church and I looked at her beside her vicar and I said, Zena, what motivates you to go on the street? She's gone on the streets and girls are mascara all over her jacket and she's out there. I said, Zena, any chance of you retiring? She said, The Lord has called me and the Lord will tell me when to stop at 90. At 90. Not 19, at 90. Some of us, the moment we reach 65, We feel that we need to buy a cottage somewhere near the coast. Get a life. Get a life. 90. A 70-year-old spent most of his life abroad. Comes back to the UK and says, God has something for me to do. A 70-year-old spent most of his life abroad. Comes back and says, God has something for me to do. For Moses, it was a rod. For Joshua, it was a promise. For David, it was a sheep. For the first century Christians, it was the power of the Spirit with proclamation of the gospel. In the 21st century is authenticity. People who know their God. People who is allowing God to work in them and through them to his honor and to his glory. We've got to go for it. We've got to go for it. We can't be content. We've got to allow the spirit to work in us. We've got to stir up what God has placed in us when he called us. And as we do that, we'll experience what the prophet of all says. He says, I feel like fire shut up in my bones. There's something happening. The spirit is burning for me. And because of that burning, I'm doing, I'm fulfilling the will of the king who is the king of the kingdom church we need to wake up god is calling us today to fulfill his purpose i want you to stand with me some of you are feeling like gideon and you're saying god you're using people but not me i'm insignificant i'm the least i've gone god i can't do it not me i want to tell you you're wrong God is still using 90-year-olds. I met a woman in Northern Ireland last week, Monday. She was 90-odd, and she was a prayer. She was praying. She said, Les, I can't, I can't move. I can't go places, but I could pray. And she was praying. She was doing something in the kingdom. And I want to challenge us today. I want to challenge us about what is it that God has called you to do in this kingdom? What is it? That God has given you to to use in terms of his kingdom. I want to pray today that you will be released to use it. To be it. That at the end of the day, our Lord Jesus that we sing about, that we are looking for. will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Well done. I wonder if the band could just play a song if you could play quietly i I need to hear myself Uh uh-huh and i need to hear what god is saying in terms of to one another. i want us to do it like this you know coming to church and putting your hands up is the easy part that's i could do that all the time but you know where the challenge for me is actually when i leave church to apply it to my life i have to wrestle sometimes I have to remind myself sometimes. I have to be determined sometimes. But that's, that's it. That's the journey. But I want to pray that God will help us to be determined. Help us to recognize that we're going to fight. Spiritually fight. And spiritually, we will get the breakthrough. Because the God of the breakthrough is on our side. It's not about us, what we think about ourselves. It's not about our natural ability. It's all about the power, the grace, the spirit of God upon our lives. And I want to pray for you. No longer should you be a spectator. I want to pray for receptivity in the kingdom. But also activity because you've heard from the king. If you're saying, "Les, pray for me times is fantastic for people to move because it takes faith it really does and if there's one thing that god is saying he wants to break the status quo the whole notion is business as usual it's not god wants you to shake yourself he has something for you to do and i want to pray that god will release that in you to do it so, as, we, as the guys play, if you want to come to the front, come. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, guys. And come. Wonderful, Lord. So good. For my observation as I travel this country in particular, some of the most gifted and talented people I've come across have been in the church. Brilliant minds. Lots of skills and giftings. They're brilliant at what they do outside the context of church. But there's something that is as if it's locked down on their spirit to be that godly, righteous person, that salt, that light. And this morning I really believed God is saying, I want you to be authentic and to be displayed people will come to you people will ask you questions and God will give you the words to speak one of the things that I love God for he gives us wisdom to speak and that's what I want to pray today so father I pray in the name of Jesus I pray for every person who is standing right here before you I pray for every man and women who are standing within this congregation. And God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you restore the days of the locusts and the caterpillar and the cankerworm of Eton. And God, that you will pour out your spirit in a new way today. I pray that there'll be a new zeal and a new passion. I pray for new grace upon your servants' lives. I ask in the name of Jesus that you will wipe away those cobwebs. That you'd open the doors of negativity and intimidation. And that God, in the name of Jesus, that a new anointing and a new pouring of your spirit will be poured out right now upon your people. I ask for wisdom. I ask for boldness. I ask for courage. I ask for confidence in your word. Father, in the name of Jesus. I ask today that we will be a praying people. That God, that you will create, Lord, people, groups of people praying spontaneously. Praying in their homes. Praying together. That there will be a desire and a passion to come together and to worship and to seek your face. God, I pray that you'd help us to put aside our excuses. And Father, give us a hunger for you, for your word and your spirit and your presence. Give us, Lord, give us that hunger. Give us, oh God, that desire in the name of Jesus. And Father, I declare today victory over your people. I declare boldness over your people. I declare a passion over over your people i declare enthusiasm over your people i declare wisdom over your people and above all lord i declare joy joy may we be lord excited about who we are in you may we lord rejoice and sing praise to you for all that you have done in our lives you have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. You have taken us out of darkness. And you have put us into the kingdom of light. You have redeemed our lives from destruction. You have crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies. God may we be excited about this. May we be excited about you and what you have done in our lives. Fill us with joy. Fill us with your joy, your spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, let today be a new day for us today, a day, Lord, where we become bold and strong, where we become what you've called us to be, Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Listen, it is Jesus. Forget everything else. It's all about Jesus. The more we love Jesus, the more we get into Jesus, is the more he reveals himself, is the more boldness we get, is the more confidence we get, and is the more we see his will done in our lives. So let's go in Jesus' name. Amen.